Um, I'm going to share about the 2020 vision for 10 days, and I'm also going to share um, just a little bit about what it means to mourn. Mourn is a big word for the 10 days movement. It's not my favorite word, not anyone's favorite word, but we're going to unpack what that means a little bit from a biblical perspective. But first, I want to just walk you through the 2020 vision. Um, we have a very, normally as a movement, our goal is like very long-term. We're just, you know, we don't usually have a, hey, this is our theme for the year. We're just like, we're going to keep doing this until the Lord returns. We want to see cities stop and seek God during the days of awe. That's our, our focus. And, you know, God's just been gracious to allow us just little by little to keep um, engaging and really at the speed of friendship and relationship, um, seeing more and more cities get involved. Um, but last August, God really encountered me with a special vision for 2020. And like a lot of times when God encounters you, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like I was praying and fasting and seeking him. I was actually just enjoying a day off with the kids. We had gone to a friend's farm. We were riding horses, hanging out. I came back home and I get a text from my friend Matthew Smoller. And it was a quote from a book on Azusa Street. It was a quote from William Seymour, who God used to start the Azusa Street movement. And in the quote, he just, he was prophesying in 1910 that in about a hundred years, there would be a move of God like Azusa Street, but that it would take place all over the world at the same time, an outpouring of the spirit like Azusa Street that would happen all over the globe at the same time. And I, I looked at that quote and I thought, that's random. You know, that's just a random thing from my friend. Why do you do that? And didn't think much of it, except I couldn't get it out of my mind. And first I started uh, asking the Lord this question. I said, Lord, do you like William Seymour more than me? And the reason I asked that is Seymour, the Azusa Street Revival started during a 10 days of prayer. It was during 10 days of prayer and fasting. And on the fourth day, the Holy Spirit began to be poured out and the revival just went on from there. So I, I was like, Lord, we've been doing 10 days for 15 years. Seymour did it for four days. He didn't even get the whole 10 day thing down. And yet this happened. And what I heard in my spirit from the Lord was just, was just this phrase, I'm putting more pieces in place this time. I'm putting more pieces in place this time. And that really struck me as true. And it resonated with Seymour's word. He said this was going to happen all over the globe at the same time. There's going to be a global outpouring. And so as we've been doing this for 15 years, and not just us, but many, many other people in the body of Christ, there's been a prayer movement building around the globe. I believe God has been putting more and more pieces in place this time. And, and then as I meditated more on this word, the second thought occurred to me, God, could we have a role in fulfilling Seymour's vision? He had that in 1910. We're in 2020. It's been a little over 100 years. And I think when we hear prophetic utterance or read the scriptures, that's actually the attitude we should have is how can I be a part of the fulfillment of this? How can I play into that? So. Anyway, as this was going on, the Lord just kind of sparked in my heart, what if there was a global upper room, not with 120 people, 
but with 120 cities and 120 locations where people were doing the upper room thing. They were praying continually and in one accord, right? That's what they did. They stopped what they were doing. They stopped normal life. They waited on the power of God and they prayed continually and in one accord, waiting for the promise of the Father to be poured out. What if we could see that happen? And as I was having that thought, I was like, Lord, maybe we could get 120,000 people to consecrate themselves, to set themselves apart, to take time off of work, take time off of school, to fast, to devote themselves to prayer with other believers during that time. What if we could see 120,000 people not just kind of dip a toe into a prayer room, but actually take 10 days for a life-transforming encounter? And at this point, I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to get too into these 120s. I don't want to be too weird. I don't want to be too prophetic. I don't even know what 120, 120,000 mean, other than 120 was the number in the upper room. And I felt the Lord speak to me. He said, go read Jonah again. Now, as I've traveled around and shared vision for 10 days, I have this phrase I use all the time. I say 10 days is the upper room meets Nineveh. It's Acts 1 meets Jonah 4, because 10 days is about cities stopping to seek the Lord, but it starts with believers consecrating themselves to seek God in an upper room context. I had never noticed before that there's 120 people in the upper room, and there's 120,000 people in Nineveh. So even just by the numbers, these two things are connected. So that's our vision for this fall, is we want to see 120 cities that are praying continually and in unity. So continually, 24-7, wherever possible. Just an ongoing fragrance of worship and prayer to the Lord in, in one accord. So not just one church or one ministry um, doing it on their own, but a partnership among the ministries of that city. Whoever's willing, it doesn't have to be everyone, but maybe everyone should be invited, right? Everyone should know about it. And those who are willing can come and be a part of it. And then 120,000 people setting themselves apart to seek the Lord. I'm just going to show you this in just a, a, um, a written form, just so you can have it there. And if you'll take a look at the YouTube that I shared, um, that vision is right there as well. We're just going to share this really quick. So this is the vision. 120 upper rooms around the globe, and then 120,000 individually seeking God, taking time off of work, fasting, uh, taking time off of social media, and then devoting themselves to prayer, worship, repentance with other believers. And I believe that this um, gathering that we're doing right now is part of how God wants to launch us into that time. So. Um, Check out the 2020 vision. It, it, it's just a three minute clip that gives you all these points as you're sharing with others. It's just a great way to introduce them to it. Um, and um, I'm really excited to see what the Lord is, is gonna do with this. Every time in my life, God has spoken a number to me. There's been a specific fulfillment of that number um, in a way that I couldn't deny it was God. It hasn't always been how I thought it would be, but it's always been something really specific. So I'm excited to see, this is like an experiment, an adventure. We don't know what's going to happen. We have no way of making this happen. This is a faith walk where we're saying, God, 
bring 120 cities and bring 120,000 people into this holy season of consecration um, under this vision of William Seymour. Lord, would you do it this year so that we can see things change? And also, I'm just going to say this. I had no idea this would be the first year in recorded history where cities would stop. But that has been happening. I don't know what that means. I'm just saying that's been our vision of cities that have stopped. We've been sharing about that. It's been like this crazy idea. And now it's become our normal reality. So I believe there's something to that. Um, maybe God's doing something just in the natural first. It's going to make way for this spiritual reality. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the vision for 2020. And we really hope that while we're experiencing this on Zoom, that we'll be able to experience it in person and use technology to connect us, but that in your city, there's gonna be a 10 days this fall from September 19th to 28th, um, where believers are gathering in person to pray continually and in one accord. So that's the vision for this fall. Um, we're gonna hear in just a minute from Louis Burgos, who's gonna share about what it can look like when that really happens in your city. But I'm gonna talk for just a minute here about this concept of mourning. Just gonna share this with you all. I like to say, 10 days started with this phrase from the Lord, Babylon refuses to mourn, but my people will mourn before I return. Now, if you're like me, when God speaks to you, you like to ground it in scripture. Like sometimes I'll hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and I'll be like, that doesn't sound like that's in the Bible. And, and then the Lord will lead me to where it is in the Bible. And I'm like, man, the Holy Spirit just knows the Bible better than me. Um, but I, I'm not interested in revelation that can't be really rooted and grounded in the word because I just don't trust myself to hear that well. This word is not a direct quote, but it's a reference to Revelation chapter 18. So if you want to um, dig into that, it's just a reference to that passage, which talks about the judgment of Babylon. And God is saying through this a number of things, but he's saying that there are people who will refuse to humble themselves to mourn. They're going to continue to exalt themselves. And as the dynamics around the time of the Lord's return pick up, that those people, which are called Babylon, and those systems are going to be humbled. They're going to be brought to mourning involuntarily. But God's people, on the other hand, are going to be humbling themselves and entering into mourning voluntarily. And that's going to be, and then they're going to be exalted when the, when the Lord returns. So blessed are those who mourn for those, who, they will be comforted, right? So this is about the dynamics in the earth um, before the return of the Lord. I'm going to just scroll down here. So I like to say 10 days is like the ugly duckling, right? Imagine, just put yourself in my shoes. God gives you this word about mourning, and then you have to go to people and say, hey, we're going to stop doing everything we normally do and we're going to mourn for 10 days it is not fun let me tell you to have that be your message um and uh many times i've shared this with leaders and they've been like this is great we love the unity we love the worship we love the prick can we get rid of the mourning can we just get rid of it and i'm thinking to myself man you think i can just change this whenever i want this is <laughs> this is what the lord said i've got to stick with it but I think like the story of the ugly duckling, if, we're gonna, if we stick with this, we're gonna see something really 
beautiful come to pass. Now, when I first got this vision, I didn't have any idea what it meant. And that's how God works a lot of times. Or my ideas were distorted. You know, it says it's the glory of kings to search a matter out, but it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. So when he speaks to us, a lot of times it's like a little mystery that starts to unfold over time. And we're thinking we see it immediately, but actually it's way more complicated than that. And that's how this idea of mourning is. I thought this would be like crying, weeping, repenting. Of course, it can be all of those things, but it's it's got so many layers. I'm just going to unpack this idea of mourning a little bit for us or lamentation. So we mourn, oops, we mourn because we've lost something or someone, right? We mourn because we don't have something that we desperately need or love greatly. And we also mourn because of um, great suffering, great loss, great absence. So 10 days is focused on what we don't have and what we've lost. It's a time to recognize what we're missing. It's a time to bring it into awareness, uh, not bury it underneath, but bring it to the forefront. Uh, but it's not mourning without hope. Um, actually, in the Bible and biblically speaking, when we recognize what we've, we're lacking and what we've lost, that actually positions us to receive those things. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's about longing for the promises of God, aligning our hearts with God's priorities so that we can see them come on earth as it is in heaven. If you don't know what you're lacking and missing, you won't ask for it. And the first step to receiving those things is to begin to ask. So paradoxically, by recognizing our poverty, we're actually positioning ourselves to get rich. Okay? This is, this is how the kingdom works. It's upside down. You got to flip everything. So those who humble themselves are exalted, but those who exalt themselves are humbled, right? So this is a way to humble ourselves, position ourselves to receive grace through entering into this process of mourning. Um, right, I'm just going to, I'm going to skip over this a little bit just because of time, but Mourning is about humility. When we humble ourselves, we position ourselves, receive the grace of God. When we exalt ourselves, we position ourselves to be humbled by God. <laughs> so if you want to be opposed by God himself, it says, be proud, right? God opposes the proud. Likewise, if you want to receive the grace of God, you can humble yourself and you will guaranteed receive grace. Similarly, in a citywide context, when you have a group of people humbling themselves, it attracts grace in the whole city or the whole region. There's a variety of ways we humble ourselves. Fasting, prayer and worship, confession, uh, reaching out to other believers, uniting with them. That acknowledges our need for them. And then stopping our normal activity. I think we've all been humbled by COVID-19. It's, it's caused us to be humbled. Um, by you know by the circumstance it's brought us low we don't get to do what we want to do we lose freedom but this humility is actually a, an avenue for us to receive grace from god so uh, another meaning of mourning mourning is very connected to the idea of desire so in calling people to mourn 
we're also calling for desire to be awakened in the hearts of the people of God. Um, as we humble ourselves, setting aside normal activity, remaining in Christ, meditating on his words, our hearts begin to bring forth holy desires. And it's those prayers of desire that come from abiding in Jesus, as we talked about last night with Gaylord, that the Father can't help but answer. Have you ever prayed a prayer that you thought was a good idea, but didn't connect with your heart? You know, like maybe you're praying for healing, but there was something of a disconnect in your heart, or maybe you were praying for someone's circumstance, but it just didn't really connect to your desire. The prayers that God answers are those prayers that come from a deep place inside of us, like John 15 says, um, if we remain in him and his words remain in us, ask whatever you desire. So 10 days is a time to remain in him, have his words remain in us. And then the, the end result of that is going to be that we're going to pray prayers of desire from our heart that heaven hears and the father answers. Even big prayers, even Bible-sized, biblically proportioned prayers that the father can answer. But it's going to come out of humbling ourselves, abiding in him, and then allowing him to change our hearts so that we pray out of desire for the things that he himself desires. So there's, there's three main focuses within 10 days, or, or I could break this down another way to say there's six. Um, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to just use this structure here. So there's three kinds of mourning that we want to enter into during 10 days. One is personal. And, and if I had to choose a word to describe this, I would say repentance or personal transformation. Um, this doesn't have to look like, um, you know, like self-flagellating ourselves or beating ourselves up. It isn't like, oh, I'm such a bad person. Um, but it's really about changing our mind from how we think now and how we think in our fallen state to viewing things the way God sees them in faith. This is what the Bible talks about when it uses this, this phrase, being transformed by the renewing of our minds as we grow up in maturity and coming into the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ. So this isn't about, wow, I was really bad when I was five years old, or I think I sinned when I was 18. I mean, it, it can mean those things. It's fine to do that. But the point isn't trying to uncover every single problem that you've ever done. The point is coming, abiding with Christ in quietness and trust, and then allowing him to change who we are. Um, and that happens in an incredible way when we give God extended seasons of time. I'm sure um, you may have been involved in an extended project before, right? Imagine if you said to a contractor, hey, I want to put an addition on the house. You've got two hours right? He would laugh at you. He'd say, well, we can put an addition on the house, but it's going to cost you. And it's going to take me an extended season of time. And unknowingly, a lot of times we're saying that to the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit has additions. He has things he'd like to do in our lives, but he's not going to knock out a bunch of walls in our house and our soul um, to be able to put on that addition or make some really significant changes. If you're only giving him 15 minutes a day, five minutes a day, he's not going to be able to do those things. So 10 days is this extended season where God can, can knock out some walls, where he can take out the engine 
and put in a new one where he can give you a new car. <laughs> you know, he can do some really deep work that takes time. Um, so 10 days is, is, is a strategy through consecrating time, removing other influences that may be good, um, where we just position ourselves personally to be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. Um, I'll send you a link to this document afterwards. I'm not going to be able to go through everything here. So it's about repentance. It's a Second Chronicles 714 time. Um, it's a time of personal change and transformation. Ten days is a time of intercessory mourning. This is described in Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel reads the promises of God in Scripture, that it's time for the children of Israel to return to Jerusalem. And then what does he do? Does he say, awesome, God's got this. He's sovereign. He's got it. No, rather he says he goes into intercession, mourning, fasting, and prayer, and confessing the sins of his people in order to agree with God's prophetic promise and actually play a part in releasing it into the earth. You see, God, the <laughs> his plans and purposes are not fulfilled through passive faith. Oh, yeah, God's got it. He's going to do it. They're actually fulfilled when we actively partner with what he's already declared he wants to do and agree with him with faith. That's God's plan to see his purposes happen on earth. It's not just him saying it from heaven. It's actually us agreeing with him from the earth. That's what it means to be an intercessor. So this is a big focus of our time during 10 days is agreeing with God for his clear promises that he's, he's related to us in scripture. Um, we're going to focus more on these later in the week. Um, but there are four major biblical promises that serve as our focus for prayer. One is that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nation. Another one is that there would be supernatural unity in the body of Christ, that John 17 would be answered. Uh, promise three is that there's going to be a global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And promise four is that there's going to be salvation for Israel, that the Jewish people are going to come to know their Messiah. Now, given scriptures here, we'll, we have a speaker who's going to spend his entire talk focusing on these four things. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so, 10 days is about personal mourning. It's about recognizing what we, we lack and what we've lost and what we've suffered personally. It's about intercessory mourning, where we enter into the fact that God's purposes have not been established in the earth. The kingdom isn't here yet. And we begin crying out for that kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And 10 days is about mourning for the bridegroom. Matthew 9, 15, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So Jesus is coming. Jesus is returning. How many times have you or I heard a believer say, well, I hope the Lord, or even thought it ourselves, I hope the Lord doesn't come, you know, tomorrow because da-da-da-da. Oh, I want to see my grandkids grow up. Oh, I want to get married. Oh, I want to do this or that. What that attitude shows is just a really, it shows that we're <laughs> woefully happy um, in this present age when God has so much more that he wants to give us.
so much more that he wants to give us. If the end of the age, if the Lord's return is a wedding, can you imagine a bride saying to her husband, hey, um, you know, I do want to marry you, but just give me five, ten more years and then I'm ready. Just just give me a little more time. No, I don't think that marriage would happen. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God is looking for a bride that is longing for him as much as he is longing for us. His desire is fixed on us, even though he's way more attractive than we are. But our desire is not yet. So 10 days is a chance to enter into um, just the realm of longing for the return of Jesus. Um, I'm going to have to wrap up here. I'm going to share this document with you. Um, but um, just in, in closing, I'm going to stop the sharing. Those are the purposes of 10 days. Um, personal repentance, prayer for God's unfulfilled promises and longing for the return of Jesus. And I hope that your city, wherever you are, it's amazing. We've got people on all six continents um, on these calls, but wherever you are, your city or your region, I hope you'll join us this fall in this global upper room, similar to what we're doing here, but in your own space, in your own city, crying out to God, setting apart time to seek him, um, as you've never done before and seeing him move in your city as never before. So 